Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning and welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning. It is 8.02, the beautiful city of Tucson. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 14.90, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, I do appreciate you tuning in here as we uh, prepare for you every single day, a two-hour show as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. I know that you have a choice of where to listen for your sports news and entertainment and uh, information, and we do appreciate you choosing ESPN Tucson and the Jeff Dean Show here every single weekday from 7 to 9. You can also download the podcast uh, anywhere you download podcasts, whether it be Apple, Amazon, Audible, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get the, uh, the, the podcast you like to listen to, you can also find the Jeff Dean Show there and listen at your leisure. Coming up at some point within the next 56 minutes, uh, I'll be giving you another chance to win my tickets to Friday night's game against the Washington Huskies. Uh, the Arizona Wildcats kicking off on a Friday night, getting on some national TV coverage there, getting some uh, getting some money for being on TV. So that's all. It's always a good thing. Um, hopefully, the new contract, the new television contract that George Klyavkov uh, negotiates coming up in a few years. We'll eliminate the need to play Thursday and Friday night games. Let's leave that to the MAC and the WAC and the Midwestern, you know, Mountain West Conference and the AAC and the CUSA and all those other conferences, and we can let the uh, the Power Fives play on Saturdays and make it, uh, you know, make it lucrative for all parties involved. Uh, but your chance to win those tickets coming up in uh, in just a little bit. Be listening for your cue to text to win uh, my tickets. So be ready for that. Let's get into a little NBA preview here. Now, the NBA season tipped off last night. Bucks and Warriors winners over the Nets and the Lakers, respectively. We discussed that a little bit. Um, the There was some, some news I had mentioned, uh, if, if you hadn't heard, there was some news that I had mentioned with Tyler, uh, with Tyler Drake. Tyler's a, a Kings fan for some horrible, ungodly reason. I feel sorry for him. Uh, but there was news coming out of, uh, of, the, out of Sacramento where Marvin Bagley, the third's agent, Jeff Schwartz, who's probably uh, the biggest or the second biggest agent in the NBA as, as far as representation. He's got like 40 clients. They're all big, big-time clients. Um, made a public statement yesterday, which you never hear from agents. Like, they, like, you don't hear this kind of stuff coming out from agents. So Jeff Schwartz is obviously upset, and he ripped the Kings yesterday. He said, quote, Sacramento has informed Marvin Bagley that he is not in the opening night rotation, which is completely baffling. It's clear they have no plans for him in the future and yet passed on potential deals at last year's deadline and this summer based on value. Instead, they chose to bring him back but not play him, a move completely contradictory contradictory to their value argument. Okay? Well, Bagley played in 42 games last year. He was hurt for the last month of the season with a wrist injury. He's been hurt every every season that he's been in the NBA. He's played fewer than 60 games every single season. When he's been in there, he's averaged about I think he's averaging like 14 and 7 for his career uh in the in the NBA. He does not play any defense at all. Um and has shown a lack of will to run up and down the floor with the team. 
There's been plenty of times where he's been criticized uh, publicly for essentially not getting back on defense and, uh, you know, not running in transition. So, look, it has been a it has been a failed experiment in Sacramento for Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, of course, Marvin played his you know he played his high school basketball up in uh, Tempe at uh, Corona was a an original commit and a real strong commit to the University of Arizona and Sean Miller ended up at Duke and <laughs> I think we all have our reasons why he ended up at Duke. I know, uh, I know how. Well, I know how it went down, but nonetheless, that's between me and the wall here. But regardless, uh, Marvin Bagley III has been a failed experiment in Sacramento. I, I did not, based on things that I had heard, things that I'd seen while he was at Duke, and then some other things that I saw during his first season in the NBA, I just had a feeling that it was not ever going to work. There's something about Marvin Bagley III that just screams lazy. And I don't know where that came from because I watched him in high school and he was remarkable. Maybe it was because it was too easy for him. You know, I mean, I, I watch a lot of high school basketball. I, it goes back a long way. I grew up in Phoenix watching, you know, I mean, I announced Mike Bibby's games when he was at Shadow Mountain. I've seen a lot of really, really good high school talent come through here in Arizona. I got to see Derek Rose play in a tournament here in Arizona. He's still the best high school player I've ever seen in my life. When people ask me, like, who's the best high school player I've ever seen? Derek Rose. It's real simple. I can just stop the conversation right there. Marvin Bagley, certainly in the top five. I mean, I just, watching him play, he just was a different, he, he was different. Like, it was just, there was no, there was no mistaking it. But somewhere between his time at Duke and the time that he got into the NBA, he just seemed to stop working. And I don't know, I don't know if he's, down on himself because of the injuries, and there has been multiple, multiple injuries, foot injuries, knee injuries, shoulder injuries, wrist injuries, hand injuries. There's been a ton of them. Uh, he's got a bad back. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that are that are in play there. But, you know, Luke Walton, he, Luke Walton doesn't want to go there and just lose games. He's not, he's not not playing Marvin Bagley because he's like, screw this guy. I'm going to threaten my career as an NBA head coach and not play this dude. Um and be, you know, and and just you know, sully the you know, the entire season and and uh, and get the hell out of here. But Luke Walton's trying to win basketball games. That's his number one course of action. If he wants to play small ball and he thinks that's where the talent is, then that's what he's going to do. And if Marvin Bagley isn't a member of the starting rotation and is still going to play twenty four minutes a game, look, sorry about you. You guys should have stayed healthy. You should have worked harder. Whatever have you. Look, things happen. Okay, there will be a market for Marvin Bagley come. You know, come the, the offseason when teams are able to negotiate restricted free agent moves, much like there will be for DeAndre Ayton, uh, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but, look, you know, Marvin Bagley has not been a good experiment in uh, in Sacramento. It'll be interesting to see what kind of a deal he gets. Look, there will be other teams coming uh, for him. They may come for him before the before the uh, the end of this season, and that may be a situation where Sacramento will take a look at it Um but basically, his agent is upset that they're they're drowning his value in lack of playing time, and I can I can assure you, I can assure you that there is no agenda by at least Luke Walton. There may be by somebody else. I don't know in that organization. Management in Sacramento has been bad for a long, long time. But there's no agenda by Luke Walton to 
devalue Marvin Bagley's market uh, price by not playing him. He's not playing Marvin Bagley because he doesn't fit in the system and he hasn't he really hasn't the entire time that he's been there. So that's why he's not playing. It has nothing to do with with Luke trying to limit his minutes. And I, I don't think that the, the, the GM or that management went to them and said, hey, we're trying to lower his value, um, so we need you to not play him. Like, that's not going to go over well either. So Jeff Schwartz kind of speaking out of turn here, a little bit over his skis in my opinion, and uh, not a good look for Jeff Schwartz as, uh, look – you're an agent. Keep your mouth shut. You talk about things behind closed doors, um, and if, if you, you know, if you have sources, I mean, the, the guys are going to come to you as a source. Give them some information. Let those guys break the break the news, whatever have you. But do not be the guy yourself. That's a bad look for a sports agent. Speaking of bad looks, Suns general manager James Jones spoke with the Athletic, or the whether I should say the Athletic spoke with James Jones. Uh, Sam Amick, who does a phenomenal job covering the NBA for The Athletic, love his articles, um, discussed at length with James Jones, that's the Suns general manager, about DeAndre Ayton's uh, non-signing. Now, James Jones, I love James Jones. I think he's done a a great job up until this point, and I don't know if, if it's his call on the DeAndre Ayton deal or what the deal is, but... Look, he, he's, he's, he's missing vastly on this one, and either James Jones has forgotten how to speak properly or he's, he's tongue-tied because the owner is basically forcing his hand in that situation. Because here's the Cliff's Notes version of the article that came out, the interview that came out on The Athletic with James Jones. Here's the Cliff's Notes version. These are quotes uh, basically from James Jones. It is what it is. We are where we are. It is what it is. It was a five-year max or nothing at all for Aiton's agents. Robert Sarver's not cheap. We signed other guys. It is what it is. We are where we are. That's basically the Cliff's Notes version of James Jones's explanation as to why DeAndre Aiton was not given an extension. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. You got, you're more than welcome to look it up on The Athletic if you want. It wasn't, it wasn't a great interview because James Jones didn't give anything. He basically said, well, this is what we've done. You know, he, he, went, he was like, we, we brought back CP. We signed Mikael Bridges. We signed Campaign. We signed Landry Shamit. We gave JaVel McGee a one-year $5 million deal, blah, 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 blah. And then when he got to DeAndre, he goes, we, we are where we are. So to me, it sounds like James Jones isn't happy. It sounds like... James Jones wants to have DeAndre Ayton, and why wouldn't he? Every GM in the league would love to have DeAndre Ayton on their roster. They would. Trust me. This is not. These are not just my opinions alone. These are the opinions of the other GMs in the NBA. People who who rank players. At uh, I know I said yesterday that DeAndre Ayton is top thirty player. That was a ranking that I saw during the postseason last year. He was number twenty nine. Number twenty nine. Twenty nine ranked player in the league last year during the postseason not just postseason play, but overall, that number has shifted this offseason. He's now considered, I think, uh, number 34, number 35, something like that. Regardless, okay, there are guys on team, there are guys on your own team making more money than DeAndre Ayton that are ranked way, way further down the list than he is. James Jones continued to talk about, well, if it had been a a three-year or a four-year max deal, we could be, you know, we'd have more discussions. 
Why? What? Why? What is? What is the big deal with the, with the years? He's still one of the younger. He's the second youngest player of that draft class. <laughs> like the 2018 class, he's the second youngest player of the class. I don't understand why the why the apprehension of signing him to the five year deal, other than it saves them money. Period. End of story. And I know that James Jones can't and won't come out and say anything about Robert Sarver being cheap because he's going to lose his job. He can't do that. You can't, you can't talk out about Robert Sarver if you work for him. You, you can't. People in Phoenix have known that for a long, long time. Steve Kerr, when he was the general manager here, okay, I, listen, I've talked to Steve about this. He, Steve has very colorful things to say about Robert Sarver. I'll just put it that way. But Steve Kerr was basically, after a year, he's like, I can't do this. I, I, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the broadcast booth because I can't stand working for your cheap ass. That's basically what it all went, what it all came down to. Steve Kerr couldn't do his job to the best of his ability because he was being shortchanged every step of the way. Sarver was handing him a dollar and asking for 80 cents back. You just you can't you can't do that. You can't run a successful franchise, successful sports franchise that way. Okay, television revenues are not great enough, and the 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 the, the overall player salaries with having only you know thirteen fourteen guys on a roster salaries are huge. So in the grand scheme of things, and I talked about it yesterday, exactly what it means. Sarver and the Suns are going to save $44 million by not signing DeAndre Ayton to a max extension. $44 million. And over the course of five years, that's eight, you know, $8.6 million a year, whatever it is. It was rounded up to nine, okay? Nine million bucks. That's what this is, that's what this is all about. Nine million dollars. So instead now they're going to go run run out there in the Western Conference, the one of the most talented Western Conferences we've ever seen in the history of basketball. The Western Conference is ridiculous. Like one through nine, you're like, yeah, I, I could see them winning their division. I could see them winning a conference. I could see, you know, there's all kinds of scenarios out there. We'll talk about it in a moment as I do my uh, predictions coming up here in just a minute. You're going to go run out there with your centerpiece, your two-way center who showed – Great improvement during the postseason. Elevated himself to a game that was, uh, you know, not not seen uh, by any team, anybody, since Shaquille O'Neal played. Literally, look at the numbers. He outplayed the guys that he played against up until the final four games against Milwaukee when Giannis just absolutely went berserk. By the way, he's pretty good, and he makes everybody look like a fool. And I just now you're going to make that guy unhappy. And like I've talked about it before, DeAndre's an emotional guy. That emotion is going to weigh on him. I, I I would not be surprised if he has a really bad season. I'm I'm not kidding. It could affect him. And I know. Look, maybe that's maybe that's part of the reason. Oh, he's soft. He's he's soft emotionally. Okay. Everybody has their proclivities. Not this is not a uh, you know these are these are not perfect players. There are very few dominant elite players in the NBA. And when I say dominant elite, I mean like LeBron James status elite where there's just no holes in the game. And even LeBron's game's got holes. He can't shoot free throws. He's inconsistent from the three-point line. 
Um, and defensively, he fouls a little bit too often, but he's slowed down. He's played a million games. So, I, listen, James Jones wants to go out there and do an interview. I respect him for stepping up and doing an interview, but this kind of stuff, it, it just you can, you can read between the lines and read the frustration in James Jones's quotes. It is what it is. We are where we are. It is what it is. We signed other guys. For his agents, it was five-year max or nothing. Uh, you know, he—he, he, you can tell. Uh, he well, obviously he's disappointed that he never got to negotiate. He wanted to negotiate. You can guarantee that he did. He wanted to negotiate a three or four-year deal. I just, why? <laughs> I mean, are, are are you are they that upset that they passed on Luca or Trey? Is like, is that the reason why? Because <laughs> if you're gonna sit there and sulk over what might have been. Then you can just you can just hand in your 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 pass card, hand in your 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 office key, and walk out the building right now because you're not going to nail every single draft. You're not going to nail every single free agent signing. That's not the way sports works. Everybody screws up. Players show great in practice, college workouts, whatever have you. They draft high. You get a you get a bad grade from a scout somewhere in there. You draft the guy. He ends up not working out. You pick up, you move on. But when you do get it right, and regardless of if DeAndre had been drafted number one or number three overall, he's still worthy of a max extension. He's still one of the best players from that draft class, and everyone else has been signed. Everyone. Everyone worthy. Michael Porter got, Michael Porter Jr. got a bag. Jaron Jackson got a bag. Luca, Trey, all got all got their money. All got their max extensions. Meanwhile, sons are like, nah, we would have rather gone with a three- or four-year max extension. We want to save $9 million. Get the hell out of here, man. It, it, it's just it's maddening. Absolutely maddening. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll have my NBA predictions. Your uh, – uh, listen, <laughs> NBA is a really tough league to, to predict just because – it's it's a star player league, and you never know what rookie is going to have an effect. Plus, free agency is always a big uh, centerpiece of the NBA offseason. You just don't know how those players are going to gel. Plus, this league, you know, particularly this year, there's some teams that have guys that are on the shelf right now that are going to be coming back that are going to be huge players in the postseason. So I'll do my best at some NBA predictions coming up next. But right now... It's your second chance to win my tickets to Friday night's game. The Wildcats taking on the Huskies at Arizona Stadium on Friday night. Just text the word Jeff to 68683. That's 68683. The word is Jeff. Just my first name. Text the word Jeff to 68683, and your chance to win my tickets will go into the uh, the old hopper. And we will. Uh, so this is your. We only have. We'll have two more chances tomorrow for you uh, to register to win. Uh, messages and data rates may apply. Just FYI. Um, if you're texting, uh, in, you have uh, you don't have unlimited texting and such. But text now, Jeff, to six eight six eight three. You got a window right now to get your name in, and uh, we'll pick winners. And we'll have two winners announced on Friday morning, and you will get a pair of tickets to my uh, to my tickets to the game on Friday. My game, whatever, not my game. Uh, but I will be there. And I look forward to seeing you guys there as well to support our Arizona Wildcats taking on the Huskies. All right, coming up next, NBA predictions. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. 
Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Basketball season is back, and there's no better place to bet on the NBA than FanDuel Sportsbook. And to celebrate the NBA tip-off, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers enhanced odds on tonight's games. Okay, now you can only bet it tonight, but you get 75-1 to 1 on any team to win tonight. There's a full slate of games and 75-1. to 1. So a $2 bet wins you $150. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now's the perfect time to do it. Uh, sign up today with my promo code DEAN, and that's how you're going to get 75-1 to 1 odds on any team to win tonight's game. Use my promo code DEAN. Uh, there's tons of different promotions and stuff. We are featuring the NBA Spread the Love promotion with the Phoenix Suns. That's coming up on Friday. There's all kinds of fun stuff. They have live, uh, you know, like live betting that you can do during the games. You can bet favorite player stats. You can do uh, parlays and that kind of stuff. And also, not to mention, if you're up in the Valley of the Sun, up in the uh, up in Maricopa and the Phoenix area and stuff, you can catch all the Suns action at FanDuel's new sports book at the Footprint Center where the Suns play their games. Now, they're having a, uh, a party on Friday, October 22nd. The first 300 people who place a $20 bet will get entry to a watch party as the Suns take on the Lakers. Now, there's free food and open bar, swag giveaways, and more. And get your game face on and score big this weekend when you bet with FanDuel Sportsbrook at the, the, at the Footprint Center right there in Phoenix. 21 and over and present in Arizona. New users only. $10 first deposit is required. Must wager a designated offer market. Max bonus $150. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. All right, time for some NBA predictions here. Look, I, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because NBA predictions are about as random as they can possibly be. I, it, it's... It's difficult to guess what's going to happen, so I'm just going to do my best. Here's my predictions for the NBA season. I'm going to pick the division winners. I'm going to pick my uh, conference champions. I'll pick an MVP and some individual awards and stuff. Let's start in the Eastern, in the Eastern Conference, the Eastern Atlantic Conference. Look, it's the Nets and everybody else in that conference. Uh, say what you will about you know what's going on with, with Kyrie um, and all that stuff. But, look, when you look at the Atlantic division, it's the Nets – the Celtics, obviously, going to be fine. It's, it's a very – I shouldn't say it's the Nets and everybody else. It's a very competitive conference. Maybe the most competitive conference as far as, like, the, the product of the teams um, in the Eastern Conference because it's got the Celtics, the Sixers, the Knicks, the Raptors. Uh, but the Nets are so incredibly talented. They're so good. And uh, I think the Nets are going to win that uh, win that division. In the Eastern Central, that's more like a uh, – mm, it's one team and everybody else. That's the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to walk away with that uh, with that division. The other teams in that division, the Bulls may see a little bit of a resurgence this year. Uh, the Pacers, obviously, you got T.J. McConnell. They're going to be great. <laughs> and uh, and then you got the Cavaliers and the Pistons, who are terrible. I mean, just awful. So yeah, Bucks. Uh, it's that's their that's their division to lose. And in the Southeast, again, you have two teams there. It's the Hawks and the Heat. And then everybody else, the Hornets, the Magic, the Wizards aren't going to matter this year. Um, I like the Hawks to win that division. I know a lot of people are picking the Heat. Eric Spolster's a, a great coach, and the Heat have an extremely talented team there. Uh, but I just, I just like the Hawks' talent. I like them to repeat as, uh, as division winners um, down there. And uh, so there you go. Nets, Bucks, and Hawks as your division winners. Out west, look, <laughs> 
This is a ridiculously talented and deep Western Conference. Let's begin in the Northwest. The teams there, look, there's going to be a couple teams that don't matter. The Timberwolves and the Thunder, terrible this year. The Thunder are going to be really, really bad. Uh, They're rebuilding. That's to be expected. But you get the Nuggets, the Blazers, and the Jazz. All good teams. Star power on every single one of them. I'm going to take the Jazz, even though I think a late-season resurgence from the Nuggets will show that I think that they're they're the team that we expected to see in the in the in the playoffs last year, in the Western Conference playoffs last year. When they get Murray back, they become a really, really deadly team. Aaron Gordon uh continues to improve his game. Michael Porter, look, in the in the of course the reigning MVP. I, I know the Nuggets are really, really good, but I'm gonna take the Jazz. Quinn Snyder's got them rolling. They've got great talent and they've shown that they can be uh, one of the best record teams uh, in the in the Western Conference. I'm going to take the Jazz in the Northwest. In the Southwest, Rockets, terrible. Spurs, terrible. Uh, Pelicans, mm, fringe 500 team. Grizzlies, fringe 500 team. It's the Mavericks. It's the Mavericks division to lose. Um, they're they're not the most talented team in the world. But they kind of get things done, and Luca just, you know, there's just times where he just goes off uh, and can will a game, you know, will a team to win just on his own. So um, I like the Mavericks to win the Southwest. And then the Pacific. The Pacific is really, really hard to predict. You got the Kings, dead last, obviously. But then you got the Lakers and Clippers, Suns and Warriors. It could go any way. The Warriors already got one up on the Lakers with a head-to-head win last night. That was a big win for the Warriors. The Warriors are going to be very good again this year, but they're aging. Draymond, a year older. Steph is 34. When do they get Clay back? He's due back soon, but when do they get him back? Jordan Poole, is James Wiseman you know, going to be the, the product that they expect him to be? The Warriors are a huge question mark there. The Clippers, obviously very talented, very, very good basketball team. They won't get Kawhi back until later in the season. So we won't know what the Clippers are until well after January, uh, probably closer to like February, March, um, as far as uh, you know, what, what the Clippers are looking like. So you get the Suns and the Lakers. Suns, obviously owners of the, the best record in basketball last year. The Lakers go out and get some more star power with Russell Westbrook. I talked about how I don't think it's going to work. I think the Lakers finished at best, at best second in the division. And I like the Suns to win the Pacific. Uh, I think the Warriors are going to be a nice surprise. And I think the Clippers have got something for everybody. But it won't happen until late, which may just be a situation where they're going to be a 6 or a 7 seed in the West, which is a a place that nobody wants to to play against the the Clippers. So, So there you go. Western Conference winners, Mavericks, Jazz, and Suns. For my MVP, I'm going to take Luka. I just think it's his time. He's obviously got the star power. He's got the name. He's got the pedigree. We, you know, we all know what we can expect. We're going to see a million highlights from him this year, and I think that he's going to put that team on his back. They're going to win a lot of games this year, and I like Luca to win the MVP. As far as Rookie of the Year goes, it's really down to like four guys, but Kate Cunningham didn't even play in the preseason, so I don't even like like he's got a bad ankle. Or I don't know. It's a long season. We've seen Rookies of the Year win the Rookie of the Year by playing, you know, 65 games or, or whatever it was. That's not the problem. I think what the issue here is is that 
there's one guy that's going to be playing for one of the worst teams in basketball, a team that's completely rebuilding with a bunch of young players, and he's going to have an opportunity to do whatever the hell he wants, and that's Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets. I like Jalen Green to win the Rookie of the Year. He's going to have carte blanche to basically just do whatever he wants, and when you give Jalen Green a guy that's that talented of a scorer, that kind of freedom, I think we're going to see some astronomical efforts and astronomical numbers from him. Again, there are going to be nights where he shoots 21% from the field, is like 3 of 19. Like he's going to be, There's going to be nights where he's terrible. But there's also going to be nights where he's going to drop 30 on people, and you're like, ooh, ooh, boy. So I like Jalen Green to win Rookie of the Year just to kind of separate from guys like Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham and, and any of the other uh, rookies that are out there playing this year. For my sixth man, th- this was kind of a tough, the guy who I think is going to win the sixth man. I think this team has a chance of making the playoffs this year. they got Billy Donovan as their head coach. I like Billy Donovan as a coach. Um, I'm looking at the Chicago Bulls, and I can finally root for this guy now that he's not playing for the stinking Lakers anymore. Alex Caruso. My man, I love watching Alex Caruso play. Did you see the dunk he had the other night? Like, just broke the guy down off the dribble, took the ball out in, in from the inbounds, went down, took a look at the defense, made one move, went left, and went right through the lane, and just the, his his hops are unexplainable. He is one of the most fun guys to watch in the NBA. Now that he's not playing for the stinking Lakers, I can actually root for him. So I like uh, Alex Caruso to win the sixth man of the year. And as far as head coach goes, coach of the year, look, Monty Williams should have won it last year. Everybody knows that. He didn't. He's going to have a good chance to win it this year, depending on what DeAndre's mind frame is going to be. Uh, if the Suns can win, you know, 60, 60 to 65 games again this year, he's going to be in the running for it. I think you also have to look at what Steve Nash is going to do without Kyrie. How do they handle the not having Kyrie for 41 games? Does the state of New York change their policies at some point in time? That's kind of all up in the air. But I think the Suns are going to be good enough this year, and I'm hoping that the league does a make good on what they should have done last year and Monty Williams wins the Coach of the Year award. So there you go. Uh, Luca MVP, Jalen Green, Rookie of the Year, Alex Caruso, six-man, Monty Williams, Coach of the Year. Uh, for my Eastern Conference champs, I got the Nets. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> they they were a toenail away from defeating the Milwaukee Bucks in the series last year and going to the NBA Finals. They're even be, They're even deeper this year. I like the Nets to win the East. My Western champ? I'm going to go outside the lines here. I don't like it very much, but I'm going to go outside the lines. I'm taking the Clippers to win the West. I think once they get Kawhi back, that team was really, really close to being dangerously championship good in last year's postseason, even after Kawhi went out. When they get Kawhi back, and they will, and as much as I dislike his demeanor, he's a fantastic basketball player and a matchup nightmare and I think the Clippers will win the West. So I got Nets Clippers in the uh, in the finals, and I don't know. I, I don't want to pick the Nets, but I definitely don't want to pick the Clippers either. I guess I'll just choose. I, maybe COVID-21 hits and has to cancel the NBA finals or something. I don't know. I really don't want that. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's go Nets in seven. Nets in seven. I'll pick that. I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Probably with the way, I, the way that I've been predicting things lately, neither of those teams will even win 50 games this year. <laughs> so we'll take, a, we'll take a, a long look at the NBA season throughout the year. Stay here to the Jeff Dean Show as we'll have uh, all your NBA news for you. All right. We're going to take a timeout. Mary's screaming at me. I'm like, like 20 minutes late for the break right now. Uh, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, 
I've got my list of the NFL's top ten quarterbacks. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Join Spears and Ali this Thursday from 3 to 6 for a special Bear Down Thursday at Main Gate Square as the community rallies behind our Wildcats to cheer on the football team as they get ready to take on the Washington Huskies on Friday night. Now, from 4 to 7, you can enjoy some happy hour specials at the restaurants and the patios that are adjacent to the pep rally. Bring the kiddos because the Junior Cats Activity Zone is live out there and it'll be all kinds of fun things for the uh, for the youngins. And the pep rally begins at 6. The Pride of Arizona marching band will march down University playing the fight song and, of course, accompanied by the cheerleaders, the Palm Squad, the Twirlers, and our lovable mascots, Wilbur, and Wilma. Now, some of our sister stations will also be on hand with chances to win game tickets and a whole lot more and other radio station swag and all kinds of fun out there for Bear Down Thursday. Normally a Bear Down Friday, but since the game is on Friday, can't have the pep rally 30 minutes before the game. So uh, go to Bear Down Thursday at Main Gate Square. For more information, go to ESPNTucson.com. All right, I have my list of the, the top 10 quarterbacks. This was tough. Like, because I put them in order. Basically, uh, of how I, you know, how I feel like you know the the best quarterbacks in the league are, and there's there's a lot of different reasons why I went the way that I did. Number one is Tom Brady; he's the best quarterback in history, quite possibly the best player in NFL history. He's number one if he's still playing the league. He's still number one. He's leading the league in passing right now. Tom Brady, best quarterback in the league, no doubt. Number two, I got Aaron Rodgers, obviously future Hall of Famer. As good as Aaron Rodgers is, even with the offense not clicking on all cylinders, if you have Aaron Rodgers on the field with 37 seconds remaining in the game and a length of field to go, he's probably going to get you into position to win that football game. He is the number two quarterback in the league. He is elite. He will be a a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. Um, Aaron Rodgers, number two quarterback. Now things start to, you know, those are your number one, two. Those are easy one, two. Those are the elite of the elite. Hands down, without question, first ballot Hall of Famers right there. Then you get into the next tier of elite quarterbacks, and my top of that list is Patrick Mahomes. He's struggling this year, and I know that I've talked about how really the Kansas City Chiefs have lost seven of the eight quarters that they've played in the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes over the last two seasons. Okay? And as all that being said, I think he's still extremely well coached, and he has a long way to go. I still think he has a ceiling to achieve. I don't think he's reached the pinnacle yet. And when he does, he will cement himself as one of the greats all time. You just look at at how he goes about his business, his talent, um, his athleticism, his ability to read defenses and still perform at a high level even when he's off schedule. This year hasn't gone well. He's won a ton of interceptions. He made a lot of bad decisions this year. I think it's just an adjustment period for, you know, kind of the next step in his career. But I still think Patrick Mahomes is the number three quarterback in the league. Number four, this is probably going to bring a lot of contention. People are going to be like, what are you talking about? I have Dak Prescott as my number four quarterback in the league. Look, he has evolved his game into becoming a quarterback that you can you can have shootouts with and win. He has shown time and time again that he can lead that offense. It's the it's the the 
the, the offense that leads the league in yardage. All, all six games they've played this year, they've outgained the opposing team. He led an offense against Bill Belichick that had 567 yards of offense on Sunday. That's incredible. And what's more, Dak Prescott is an incredible leader of men, a leader of teammates. His teammates believe in him. His teammates love playing for him, and that is huge. Having that leadership ability that he has cannot be quantified. It cannot be – there's no statistic for that. You just see it. You feel it. When you watch him play, players go to the end of the limits for him. That's why I have him as my number four quarterback because he's evolved and he's a phenomenal leader. And he's tough. I like toughness. Number five on my list is Josh Allen. Six foot six, 245 pounds, can run, has a 70-yard arm and now has developed into a guy who can read defenses and work within the framework of a complicated offense. I like Josh Allen a lot. I think his ceiling has yet to be achieved as well. He's still got plenty of room to grow in that offense, and I think he's got the right coach to do it, and he's certainly got the talent and the athleticism to achieve those kinds of goals. I think we're looking at potentially one of the all-time greats if he can just get his mind sharpened a little bit more. And it's it, look, it'll take time. He didn't play in a big-time program in college, so it's going to take time. But I believe he has all the tools to be one of the all-time greats. Number six on my list is Lamar Jackson. Athletically, he's off the charts, and he continues to grow his game in the passing game. He's become a much better pocket passer this year, and he works so hard. I, I love his dedication to the craft of quarterbacking. He's not just like a Michael Vick that's like, look, I can always rely on my legs to get me out of trouble. Lamar Jackson is focusing on studying on becoming a great pocket passer. And when he does, and I think he will, uh, look out. Because that, that's that, now we're talking extremely dangerous. I mean, even more dangerous than he already is. I love Lamar Jackson athletically. And if he continues to devote himself the way that he has, I think the sky's the limit for that dude. Now we get into the next tier of quarterbacks. The not-so-elite, but very, very good. Or guys that are knocking on the door. Number seven, I have Matthew Stafford. I may be a little bit biased here. I've always liked Matthew Stafford. I think he's always been a fantastic thrower of the football. I know that they haven't won a whole lot of games under him in Detroit, but now that he's got an opportunity with a great coach uh, and a great management team, and, of course, lots of talent around him and a defense that's worthy of giving the ball back to the offense, you're seeing what, it, what can happen when Matt Stafford has great tools at his disposal. I like Matt Stafford a lot. I've got him number seven. Number eight, Derek Carr. It can't be disputed what he's doing with that team. He's now working with his fifth different coach in his NFL career and continues to get better and better game in and game out. I love Derek Carr's game. He's a phenomenal student of the game. He's a great leader. Players love playing for him. And he's got a lot of talent as well. Number nine, I have Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has shown not only that he has just incredible athleticism, but that he is able to distribute the football effectively and efficiently to all of the different weapons that he had. I was worried about Kyler Murray focusing on just DeAndre Hopkins or just focusing on A.J. Green. or just what He's, he's throwing the ball to everybody. Everybody's getting, getting catches in Arizona right now. Kyler Murray is relying more on his arm and less on his feet, which is great. Um, and he's a difficult person to scheme against. So Kyler Murray, number nine, obviously very, very young in his career. I like his ceiling as well. And number 10, Russell Wilson. He's still the best thrower of a deep ball that the game has. 
Kurt Warner is the best I've ever seen at throwing the deep ball. Russell Wilson is right there at his heels. Uh, but let's let's call it like it is. The Seattle offense has never really been great. And when they were, it's because they had a great running game with Marshawn Lynch. So when relied upon to carry the offense, Russell Wilson hasn't been able to do it the way many of the other quarterbacks in front of him have. I love Russell Wilson's game. He throws an incredible deep ball. He has the scramble ability. He's smart. I don't think that he has the locker room, though, and he's shown that when relied upon to be the sole distributor, the sole uh, engine in the in the offense, I don't think that he has it all. Honorable mention, I have three, three guys that are just knocking on the door that are so very good, uh, and one of the guys I know a lot of people are going to be like, what, really? Trust me, <laughs> with somebody else at the quarterback position, they'd be in big, big trouble. Joe Burrow. I, I love Joe Burrow. It, it hurt to keep him off the top ten because I just love that guy so much. I, I have a ton of respect for his game. I think he is just awesome, and I think this league is in for a real treat for the next however many years he's going to play, 10, 12, 15 years, whatever have you. Joe Burrow's it, man. I love him. Justin Herbert, again, same. take, take what I said about Joe Burrow, put it into Justin Herbert. 6'5", big arm, strong kid, really smart, great leader. His, you know, his ceiling could be astronomical uh, as long as they keep the right pieces around him. And Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is right there as well as honorable mention. I know people are like, what? He just continues to put up great numbers. He's efficient, doesn't turn the ball over all that often. Now there have been times where he's made bad decisions. But, uh, look, I, I don't think he's had the greatest coaching ever. I do like Kirk Cousins. I think he's certainly uh, better than a lot of the other guys that I left off the list. So there you go, my list of the NFL's top quarterbacks with some honorable mentions there. Tell me what you think. You can t- uh, tweet me at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice on Twitter. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next, right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Busy show today. It's already done. <laughs> it's like, man, where does the time go? We have a great uh, rest of the week for you. Score scheduled coming up tomorrow. Adrian Denny, the play-by-play voice of your Tucson Roadrunners, will be joining us in the 8 o'clock hour to talk Tucson Roadrunners uh, hockey as they uh, drop the puck on the season earlier uh, in the uh, in the week. And they've got some home games coming up uh, against Texas and some other promotions and fun things and way for you to get out and watch some, uh, watch some hockey action, put on a hoodie, you know, <laughs> kind of feel good about the changing of the season. And uh, hockey goes right along with that. We'll have Adrian Denny on tomorrow. Also going to try to run down Mike Schmitz. Uh, Mike Schmitz is a he's a scout. He's a um, he's kind of an NBA draft guru. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Uh, he's great at Mike underscore Schmitz. Um, he was at Arizona practice yesterday and was able to watch Arizona's players. And I'm going to try to contact him and get him on the show tomorrow to see what his thoughts were on this year's team. He had a lot of glowing endorsements to make about several of the players and I know that he's talked about some of the guys before specifically Kerr and Ben Matherin 
Uh, but I want to get his opinions on what he saw from the team yesterday. He's an expert. He, you know, he's a guy that that works with the NBA uh, and is scouting uh, for certain teams and does a lot of NBA draft work as well. So we'll try to get uh, try to get Mike on the show tomorrow. See if we can nail him down for an interview and talk about what he saw at Arizona's practice yesterday. You can see some of the uh, slow motion videos if you if you if you're on Twitter uh, on his account. He took some slow motion videos and things like that of some of the players shooting. Um, and you can really see just how these guys have improved. And look, I'm super, super excited for the college basketball season. I can't wait. November 1st is right around the corner, the exhibition game, and then the season begins. Tommy Lloyd, first season as Arizona head coach. I uh, I could not be happier. Look, I'm sad that Sean Miller is gone. I like Sean a lot. I respected Sean. I still do. I think he's a great. I think he's a great basketball coach, but. If it has to be somebody else, I'm glad it's Tommy Lloyd. So, excited about the basketball season. We'll talk tons of Wildcat basketball, of course, coming up throughout the weeks and months to come. Thanks to Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports for joining us. Of course, thanks to Mary behind the uh, back in the studio there for all her hard work on the show as well. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Don't forget to stay tuned for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6, and I'll see you guys again at 7 a.m. On the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.